Welcome to another edition of the Battling Pickle Podcast. This is Dr. John Westfall, and this is the podcast feed that I use for all of my classes. This week, we have another podcast devoted to statistics. I'm going to be talking about frequencies and central tendency, which are topics that if you don't know what they are, you've seen them, you just uh, haven't known them by name yet. This podcast feed is open to everyone, though, and as a reminder, you can always interact with the podcast, so if you hear something you like, uh, there's ways to ask questions and interact using Anchor.fm, which is where we host this at. I'm excited to jump on in and talk about this stuff, so let's get started. All right, well... Let's try to make statistics exciting for a moment and think about what we actually want to use them for. You know, what what's the whole point of statistics and numbers? And it's really to understand data. You know, you collect a lot of data and if you think about it, it's just rows and rows of information in a spreadsheet or on a piece of paper. It's hard to figure out what it means with just looking at it. I mean, I don't know anyone who can kind of look at a 30-line spreadsheet and figure out anything from that. You have to have some sort of number or some sort of way to measure um, the data so that you can summarize it and understand it. And that is really the whole point of descriptive statistics. And today we're talking about two of those uh, types of statistics that are used in everyday life. The first is this idea of a frequency distribution. So what is a frequency? Well, frequency is how often something happens. And a distribution is knowing how often that particular amount of things occur. So let's think about a real life example. If I give a test to a group of students, I'm going to have a variety of scores. Some people are going to get 100, other people are gonna get 90, other people might get 80, a few people might even get lower scores than that if they weren't studying for the test. And I might wanna know what the frequency distribution looks like. Did I have, out of 15 students, did I have 10 of them get 90s and five of them get 80s and no one got 100 and no one got below an 80? Or did I spread it out more? Did I have two or three get 100, two or three get 90, two or three get 80, and then everyone else got lower than that? Well, if that's the case, about half of my students got lower than 80 versus the first example where I had a ton of students get a high grade and not many get below 90. This is useful to know, you know, for a number of reasons, especially if a student says, well, how, you know, how hard is this class? I can say, well, most of the students got a 100% on the first test, or most of the students got 90, versus saying, I don't know, some students got really high grades and other students got really low grades. Imagine being the student asking the professor that, and the professor goes, yeah, you know, some people do really well, some people really don't do well. That doesn't tell me much. Uh, it would be nice if you told me that, you know, 50% of people scored a B or higher in this class. Well, then that helps me know that it's probably a middle of the road class. Some people are gonna do really well, some people are gonna do really hard or not do so well. If you tell me that uh, you know only 20% of students scored a B or higher, 
Well, now I know that it's a pretty hard class because that means that 80% got something lower than a B. So frequency distributions are these percentage numbers that you hear. You know, X percent did this, Y percent did that. And this gets us started to talk about the shape of a distribution. If you think of, and your book talks about, and uh, you can go Google this if you're not in a stats class right now. If you think about a normal distribution, a normal distribution of scores is a uniform hump in essence. It's this nice little shape that it's like a hill that gradually goes up and then comes back down the other side. That's where we see a lot of things happen in real life. You know, weight is normally distributed in real life. Some people are on high ends and some people are on low ends, but most people are in the middle. Um, height is the same way. Income is actually a skewed distribution. So we'll talk more about that in a moment. But most distributions are normally distributed, where we've got the most scores in the middle. This is sort of the classic idea that in a class, if you're giving five letter grades, A, B, C, D, and F, most of your students should be in the middle range. So you give maybe the majority of the students a C, and then slightly fewer would get D's and B's, and even fewer would get A's and F's. That's a normal distribution. Now I mentioned that there are other distributions out there. There are skewed distributions. Distributions where either a bunch of scores pile up on the left side of the distribution, that's what we call a positively skewed distribution, or a bunch of scores pile up on the right side of the distribution, that's a negatively skewed distribution. So I'll give you two examples of those sorts of distributions. A positively skewed distribution is average mean income levels for the United States. Most people are going to be at the low end of that distribution. So that's where the big hump of scores is, somewhere in the zero to um, $150,000 range. But then you've got some people like Jeff Bezos who are making extremely large amounts of money each year. And they're at the far right end of the distribution and they're kind of pulling it out that way. That's why it's positively skewed. They're like grabbing a bunch of data points and it keeps the distribution from being normally distributed. It's sort of, if you imagine a big hand pulling things out to the right, it's stretching that distribution out. This is why we don't use mean income as a measure of central tendency, and I'll talk about those in a few moments. We tend to use the median because it's so skewed when you're looking at the mean. A negatively skewed distribution is the other way around, where now there's a bunch of scores that are on the right side of the hump, and the hump is over toward the right of the chart, and the left side has a few outliers that are pulling it down. So I think about my ninth grade physical education class. Um, in ninth grade, you had to take a phys ed course in my high school, and it was not a hard course. Phys ed uh, is not typically supposed to be hard. All you had to do was show up every day, get dressed for PE, and you know you could actually just not do anything. Just get dressed and show up uh, and, and pass the class with an A. 
So what you saw was that there were, you know, 90 to 95% of students got A's in that class. That was why it was designed that way. But yet, as I was in ninth grade there, there were two or three seniors, so 12th graders, who were still in the class because, well, they just couldn't show up and get dressed for class. Uh, and they had repeated the class three or four times because they were just really... Um, we could use terms like lazy, but we'll use terms like inattentive. They they didn't actually want to participate in the class, and so they failed it multiple times. And you can imagine looking at the distribution of scores here, where all of a sudden you've got a bunch of students that are on the right end. They're getting A's, no problem. But then you've got a few that are pulling it, that big hand is pulling it over to the left side with a bunch of F's that uh, are not the majority of students or even a small uh, minority of students. It's really just two or three students that are yanking that whole distribution down. So when we're thinking about frequencies and we're thinking about the numbers we use, the 50th percentile, the 80th percentile, the shape of the distribution is insanely important. And that's something you're going to be seeing over and over again if you're taking my stats class, is that we talk about the shapes of the distribution. So if you didn't quite get that, if you are in stats right now and you're reading chapter two and you're thinking, I don't really know what this distribution stuff looks like, start thinking about examples like I just gave of a normal distribution, like a class where individuals are you know, earning, most students are getting a C, but some are getting Ds and Bs, and even fewer are getting As and Fs. Or think about the skewed types of distributions. And in your textbook, uh, you get a lot of discussion of shapes of frequencies in chapter 2.4. So that starts on page 50 and rolls right on through um, to about page 53. So you're really going to want to know about these shapes and why we care about them. The next thing that then goes with that, with percentiles, is this idea of percentile rank. Again, let's use a student in a class example. If I am taking a stats class and I take my first quiz and my professor goes, you did really good at that, you're at the 90th percentile, what does that really mean? Well, simply put, it tells me that out of all the students in the class, 10% of them scored higher than me, because I'm at the 90th percentile, so 91 to 100, there's about 10% of the class there, and 90% scored lower than I did. It's a way for me to see where I am relative to all the other students. You can imagine these percentile ranks are very important in education, they're very important in how people gauge certain things, the probability of something happening, which is something we'll talk about in a few weeks. But that is simply put what a percentile rank gives us. It gives us where I am in relation to other people. Now that we've talked about frequencies and we've talked about shapes of distributions and we've talked about percentile ranking and percentiles, we can now move into what we call measures of central tendency. I mentioned those at the beginning. I said, you're in, you know, you've seen this, but you probably haven't been told that it's a measure of central tendency because that's kind of a weird term anyway. Central tendency 
is simply put where the middle of the group of scores is. And there are three ways I can try to describe the middle of a distribution of scores. I can use the mean, which is simply calculated by adding up all the scores and dividing them by the number of scores that I had. I can use the median, which is looking for the 50th percentile. Or I can use the mode, which is the most commonly occurring score. The mean, median, and mode sometimes are the exact same score. In fact, if I have a perfectly normal distribution, remember we talked about shapes of distributions just a few moments ago? If I have a perfectly normal distribution, the mean, the median, and the mode all line up together, and they are all equally useful to me. It's when we get into the skewed distributions, like I mentioned with household income, and the grades in my ninth grade phys ed course, that's where the mean doesn't do so good of a job. So looking at my ninth grade phys ed course, you know, imagine for a moment you've got 20 students in the class, 18 of them got A's, two of them got F's. Well, if I add up all those scores, say I convert the A's to fours and the F's to zeros, uh, that's how we would normally do it with a grade point scale. Then I have, if I do 18 fours, that's 72. And I've got 20 students. So if I take 72 and divide it by 20, I get 3.6, which is a B. You know, three to a four is a B score. So if you're in my phys ed course and, you know, you look at the teacher and say, hey, what does the average student get in this class? And they tell you a B. Does that really encapsulate the idea that 18 are getting A's and two are getting F's? I mean, literally in the data, nobody is getting a B. But the way that the score, the average score is calculated, you've got this data point in the middle that nobody ever gets. What's more accurate in that class is to either use the median, which is going to be an A, or the mode, the most frequently occurring score, which is going to be an A. So as you read through in our textbook, Chapter 3, and you're reading about measures of central tendency and how to calculate them, and uh, you'll want to know how to calculate all of them, the mean is useful if you have a distribution of scores that's normally distributed. But if you're looking at anything that is skewed, if you're looking at income or you're looking at grades or you're looking at something that either has a positive or negative skew, that's where you're going to want to think about the median or even the mode. And in fact, there are some distributions that we call bimodal, B-I-modal, where there are two modal scores. Maybe the A's and the F's are equally as likely. Either you get an A in this class or you fail this class, and half the class gets A's and half the class gets F's. In that case, the median and the mean are both useless because they're going to be at C, or you know the, means, the median's going to be either an A or an F, uh, but it's going to be on the edge of those. So in that case, the mode is really the most useful one to say, look, in this case, you're either going to get an A or an F. 
So what have we talked about in this podcast? Well, to sum up, we talked about frequencies. We talked about the number of times something occurs and being very useful to us to know how likely something is to happen because I need to know how often something occurs to know how likely it will happen in the future. Then we talked about percentiles. Uh, we actually talked about shapes of distributions where we talked about positive skew, negative skew. Here's my little tip if you're trying to remember what a positive or negative skew is. Take your distribution and write the word pin underneath the distribution and kind of equally space out the letters. And if the hump is over the P, that's a positively skewed distribution. If the hump is over the N, that is a negatively skewed distribution. So there's your, your very practical stats tip for the day. We talked about the different shapes. Then we talked about percentile ranks, the idea that if I get a score and I'm at the 90th percentile, I know 10% scored higher than me and 90% scored lower than me. And finally, we talked about the mean, the median, and the mode, our measures of central tendency that for the normal distribution, the mean is going to be probably as useful as anything else. And actually for a perfectly normal distribution, the mean, median, and mode are going to be the same number. But for a skewed distribution, positive or negative, we're gonna to wanna to think about the median or the mode. Hopefully that has given you kind of a quick walkthrough, chapters two and three in my stats class. And if you're not in the stats class right now, that's given you a little bit of thinking about why we care about these numbers. Because honestly, that's probably the biggest problem in stats when you're learning about it is trying to figure out why do I care? One piece of information though that is uh, very important to remember is that none of the stuff we've talked about can be used to make a decision about something in a statistically sound manner or a statistically significant manner. That's all the realm of inferential stats. That's something we'll talk about later this semester. Right now, all we're doing is describing the data and describing where the ends of the data are in the shape of the distribution and where the middle of the, the data is in our measures of central tendency. Next time we talk, we'll probably end up talking about variability, which is how spread the data is. And once you have that piece, you can fully describe data because you know where the ends are, you know where the middle is, and you know if it's a tight cluster around that middle or if it's spread out. This has been another episode of the Battling Pickle podcast. I hope you've enjoyed learning about frequency distributions and measures of central tendency. It's a not a, the most exciting topic in the world. Um, so if you're bored, you can go back and listen to some earlier episodes on educational psychology. Those were a little bit more engaging, perhaps. But it's a very vital piece because we need to know how to describe data, how to understand data in order to use it and uh be productive in our, our statistical lives. Remember, this podcast is hosted on Anchor.fm. I also have show notes on my website, which is johnwestfall.com. But if you go to Anchor.fm slash Battling Pickle, 
you can leave a message and I can play that on the podcast and we can answer any questions you have. That's one way to interact. If you're in my classes right now, you can always send me a message on Canvas to ask specific questions. That's a great resource. And if you're not in one of my classes, you can either use anchor.fm slash battling pickle or tweet me at John Westfall, J-O-N-W-E-S-T-F-A-L-L. And I will respond on a future podcast episode. Have a great day.